Hi, my name is Shaheen Chaudhary, and welcome to How I Lead Change, a podcast about executives leading successful human-centric changes in their organizations. COVID-19 has brought on unprecedented and unplanned change with severe impacts on society across the globe. With this in mind, we have another special edition of the How I Lead Change podcast to share what leaders are doing to navigate this challenging time. Today on our show, I am honored to be joined by Kevin Desmond, Chief Executive Officer of TransLink. TransLink is the statutory authority responsible for the regional transportation network of Metro Vancouver in British Columbia, Canada, including public transport, major roads and bridges. Its main operating facilities are located in the city of New Westminster, British Columbia. Thank you very much, uh, Kevin, for joining me today. My pleasure. All right, let's dive right in with our first question. Uh, Kevin, tell us, tell our listeners about TransLink. Well, you, you described it uh, in the, the real thumbnail in the, in the opening, as you said, we're the Regional Transportation Authority for uh, Metro Vancouver. That includes 23 um, jurisdictions. Uh, so it's a very large service area uh, representing um, quite a diversity of, um, of municipal interests and, of course, um, population. Um, we are best known, of course, for the provision of our daily public transit service, very visible, SkyTrain, Canada Line, um, all of our bus service, CBUS, uh, and our Handy Dart Paratransit Service and uh, West Coast Express. Uh, prior to COVID, we were uh, transporting something like one and a half million people uh, a day in the system, which uh, relative to the size of our population in, in Vancouver uh, is really excellent um, utilization of transit compared to other transit systems uh, throughout North America and, and, of course, Canada. But we're more than just um, providing the, the daily public transportation. While that's the overarching purpose uh, and what we spend most of our time and money on, uh, we are, uh, as you mentioned, we have some responsibility um, in partnership with the municipalities for major road, roads and uh, bridges. Uh, we also provide a lot of funding for technical support for and policy, policy guidance for active transportation services, uh, pedestrian and, and walking. It's something um, that we're very proud of and it's very important in the overall mobility scheme uh, for the region. And we're also really by statute, um, we are intended to be, the people who created uh, TransLink over 20 years ago, um, intended to be the one-stop shop for the transportation planning uh, in the region, um, working with uh, Metro Vancouver, which is really the larger land use planning uh, entity, and then, of course, our partners with uh, with the province to really sketch out, uh, develop, uh, and eventually lead um, the, the transportation scheme uh, for the region. Um, before COVID, uh, we had spent about a year putting together the update to our 30-year transportation plan called T2050. We're going to be resuming that work uh, soon and hopefully uh, next year or so. Uh, publish our next 30-year vision for what transportation is going to look like 
uh, in our region, even beyond what we see today, um, how things like ride sharing and um, shared transportation services uh, will affect the environment, how climate change will affect the, uh, the environment, um, how we should maximize and optimize um, our overall transportation network, because we're not going to be building a lot of new road capacity in our region over the next 30 years, but we're going to be welcoming something like another million people. So the question is, where are they going to live uh, and how do they move around? And we've got to envision a little bit uh, what um, uh, what innovations will drive mobility um, over the next 30 years. So it's not just putting buses and trains on the road. It's also uh, that planning component that's very much uh, important to what TransLink does. Excellent. Thank you, uh, Kevin, for that. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the size of your organization in terms of uh, workforce numbers. Well, we have about 8,000 people uh, at uh, in the entire enterprise. The enterprise is made up of, in effect, four uh, entities, TransLink Corporate, um, Coast Mountain Bus Company, which years ago was, was part of BC Transit. Uh, they are the largest part of, of TransLink with uh, over 5,000 employees. Uh, and most of those are bus operators. So it's a very much a people business for serving uh, people. Uh, then the British Columbia Rapid Transit Company, which is SkyTrain, which op directly operates the Expo Millennium Line and uh, um, provides the contract oversight to uh, Canada Lines, about 1,100 people at, uh, at BCRTC. And then our transit police. We have a standalone uh, transit police force uh, as well. So it's about 8,000 employees. Um, almost all of them, um, or the large uh, uh, portion of the workforce, is unionized. I see. Uh, what's driving change in tra at TransLink, and what has been the impact of COVID-19 on TransLink? Well, of course, nowadays, what's driving change at, at TransLink is clearly the pandemic and and COVID. It's you know, like everybody, your listeners, anybody, uh, this is unprecedented. Uh, no one's um, seen this before. Uh, whether you're a small business owner all the way to a big public sector bureaucracy like um, like TransLink, um, um, uh, any business, any organization has had to adapt. Uh, you know, we of course, we feel for small businesses that have been especially hurt um, that are that have had to shutter their doors and some you know may not come back, but all the way to an entity like like TransLink in its own in our world in public transit, a unique, uh, implications of, of COVID, where our ridership plummeted by about 83%, with it a substantial portion of our uh, of our operating revenue, and yet we're still we we're still needed to provide um, essential service to essential workers. So even as we were only uh, providing 17% uh, of the uh, the ridership uh, in March and April and early May. Uh, those people that were riding had to ride. They were nurses, they were grocery store workers and so forth. So we were in this very unique circumstance where our revenues collapsed, but we had to keep our service out there. So uh, in the, the uh, first few months of the crisis, and it was indeed crisis management, um, we really had to improvise, we had to innovate, and we had to create. And we've continued to improvise, innovate, and create uh, throughout. Um, and, and the objective, uh, first and foremost, is, is public safety. So are we, how do we keep our employees safe, uh, their health uh, from a health standpoint? How do we keep our riders and customers safe? And therefore, if we're keeping our riders and customers safe, we're, we're also contributing 
uh, to manage uh, COVID in, in British Columbia. And it, it took just enormous, enormous amount of change um, to change on a dime how we think about operating uh, public transit. And um, that required just a stupendous amount of resilience, which for a big public sector bureaucracy like uh, TransLink, that's no mean um, uh, feat uh, to be sure. Um, and I'd like to say um, that our ability to turn on a dime really fast uh, was a product of a well-managed organization to start. You know, if, if you've got an organization that uh, is disconnected, disorganized, disaffected, um, it's very hard then to um, uh, have a new mission and turn on a dime. And, and we were able uh, to do that with an enormous amount of uh, latent capacity and, and clearly a very strong morale uh, amongst our workforce in order to make that happen. So we're, we're able to tap into uh, that resilience and that strong morale to within a week, uh, administrative and office workers went from uh, going to work each and every day to their workstations to working at home, which is where I'm working as well. And our IT folks setting up uh, the capability to uh, work from home and work from home effectively. It was remarkable how we could do that. Or to the types of things we had to do in the field um, with our buses and train service to protect, uh, to protect public health. And we weren't, there was no playbook for this. We didn't have any real public health guidance there really wasn't a pandemic plan that, that spelled out uh, many of the different um, tools and features that were needed um, to manage the public health uh, emergency. And, and we did that through our own ingenuity, but, but also from reaching out and having the ability to find out what others throughout the world uh, were doing uh, to manage, um, uh, manage the system. So um, what we had was, was a work group at TransLink uh, that was ready, willing, and able uh, to work 24-7 to near exhaustion to do what it takes to um, uh, improvise and, and innovate, uh, certainly in the early days um, uh, of the crisis. So uh, absolutely, that's what's driving change at, at this point in time. And, you know, now as we're, we're later into August, uh, we've begun to settle in. Uh, we're, we're doing a little bit less of, of, of improvising and making things up as we go along. And we've got now the time and capability to do it in a somewhat more planned uh, way uh, and more strategic way to chart out uh, the next phase of the um, of the pandemic, at least until we um, have a vaccine widely available. Kevin, thank you for that. Uh, you also mentioned Transport 2050 and that you are planning to resume some of those uh, items on that uh, plan. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, we when um, so we started the project as I said, um, actually a little over a year ago, um, uh, in in um, late uh, 2018, and there there are sort of two aspects to T2050 to produce a, a plan like that. One is the technical, behind the scenes work that the public doesn't um, perhaps see or engage in, uh, but then also a lot of public engagement. I'm really big. On, on public engagement, on public participation. If you're gonna to put together a vision for the next 30 years, for that vision to really work, it needs to be embraced by the public. And to be embraced by the public, the public has to see their, their own dreams and vision um, in, the, in the plan. Uh, so uh, we spent um, um, last year uh, in the spring and then in the summer doing a considerable public in, uh, engagement. And in fact, during the summer, it was the largest public engagement project in TransLink's history. The hallmark of it uh, 
uh, was our, at our, our, our booth at the, uh, at the P&E fair uh, in the summer where uh, hundreds of thousands of people um, walk through our, our, our tent and, and exhibit and were able to, to read our material and talk to our, our staff. Now, of course, in COVID times, that face-to-face -face engagement is, um, is undermined uh, quite a bit. So we, we had to, we, we put the project on hold uh, uh, over the last number of months, but we do plan to start uh, resuming that. And we're going to have to figure out a different way to do public engagement. Uh, that's another one of those um, uh, instances where we've got to innovate uh, and create because the plan is very important, um, but we can't give up on the public engagement side. So as we begin to rethink how we, we uh, restart the, both the technical work and rethink the public engagement side um, uh, later this year and into uh, next year, it's going to look different. And it's, of course, it's going to have to be done, uh, at least for the time being, uh, remotely and with uh, all the proper uh, social engagement. But the hope is in concert with the update to the regional growth strategy that Metro Vancouver is responsible for, that during the course of next year, there'll be a lot of public conversation about how the region should grow uh, to meet the needs of housing, uh, to meet uh, climate um, um, uh, objectives, while at the same time keeping an eye on economic development and prosperity. So that working um, a hand in glove uh, with the regional growth strategy creates a really, really good uh, mobility plan for the future. Awesome. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, managing change, specifically, as you just mentioned, you know, some public engagement. Uh, you know, people said a managing change could be external to an organization as both internal to an organization. Uh, internal would be the staff and employees. Um, tell us a little bit about what were things like before you were managing change? Well, um, you know, at least in our kind of unique circumstances at TransLink, when I arrived at TransLink in the spring of uh, 2016, things were not good. Um, uh, TransLink was uh, in a low point um, in, its, uh, in its history. Uh, it had come off some difficult times in 2014 and 2015 with SkyTrain problems and then a, a, a poorly thought out uh, um, tax election campaign, uh, which um, TransLink lost and lost very badly. Uh, so TransLink's public reputation um, was not good. Uh, TransLink staff morale was not good. Um, the organization uh, was uh, very much at best uh, treading water, uh, lacking firm direction. Um, uh, they had been through um, a, a former CEO um, who left and an interim um, CEO uh, and then an acting uh, CEO. So, you know, between the poor reputation and the um, a little bit of a revolving door of, of leadership, uh, the organization was very much treading water and, and it was looking for leadership. And uh, the board hired me as an outsider and also as someone with a transit background, which was not the um, generally the scheme for TransLake's leaders in the past and gave me a mission. And the mission was very simple, restore the reputation of TransLink and put a focus on customer, uh, customer experience uh, and the customer. And um, what I was able to do, I think, is to help turn that around um, as an outsider and to find a way to articulate a real mission to galvanize the workforce, whether it's planners, finance folks, communications folks, or even our frontline workers. 
um, in, you know, around some pretty um, simple principles. Um, that's what I found in my career. That's the most effective way really to help move large um, bureaucracies, public sector bureaucracies, is, is focus on a, a simple to convey mission or, and set of, of goals and drive and continue to drive um, to that. Um, also having to build a team, uh, the team around me, which took a while uh, to make sure that we had people around me, not only with the skills, but also shared um, my passion uh, for the important things that uh, that TransLink needed to do. So uh, my advantage, I guess, was I, I came to an organization that was a little bit down in the dumps, but I, I think the people uh, at TransLink and throughout the enterprise really, really, they wanted leadership. They're great people, great talent, um, great fundamentals at TransLink, and they really just were, were missing uh, and yearning for just good leadership. Uh, that could help galvanize uh, action. So uh, from that uh, standpoint, um, uh, finding a way to, to lead change was, was maybe not as hard as it may, uh, as it may seem. We were helped along the way with, uh, with funding coming from the federal government to, to re-engage the, uh, uh, the mayor's plan. Uh, and um, part of my galvanizing my own workforce at TransLink was also galvanizing our, our regional policymakers, particularly the mayor's but also the province and, and even our, the board of directors at, at TransLink around a sense of common mission, around a sense of, hey, we can get this done rather than uh, a lot of sniping and criticism of, of TransLink. And I, I think we've, we've moved in a place of really, really good intergovernmental and political um, uh, alignment on what TransLink needs to be doing. So, uh, you know, my one of the things I, I tell my team all the time is if we can be seen as delivering and delivering well for the public, for taxpayers and for our customers, that frees up our policymakers to worry about the big things. So if our policymakers are worried about the, the latest press story about something untowards going on in the system or SkyTrain breakdowns, they're going to be focused on things that, frankly, they shouldn't need to be focused on. Um, we can take that off their plate. They can be focused on the big things like how to shape the future, uh, how to raise the money uh, to have the kind of future outcomes that they envision. So, um, you know, that that's how I, you know, these are some examples of how I try to, to galvanize the, the organization to success. Well said. Um, how are things now? What does, what impact has managing change well had on TransLink since you've well, taken you know, it? it. It's kind of the, the counter of, of, of where I found it uh, when I, I got to uh, TransLink. And, I, you know, I want to just emphasize it's not just me. It's not me alone. Uh, it's me finding ways to energize the skill and ingenuity of so many people uh, in our organization and to galvanize our policymakers. So, you know, it's things are a lot different. Things are, are a lot better. We we have a I, I believe a generally high functioning um, organization uh, that's got good morale, uh, that is mission directed. I give you an example. When I got to TransLink, TransLink had ten business goals, and I believe I only encountered one person who could recite all ten of those business goals. You know, from memory. And the, the takeaway is if, if, if you've set up your business goals and there's too many or they're too complex and no one can remember them, then they're kind of useless. So, we, you know, in the, in the first few months I got there, we, 
we uh, carved those down to three very straightforward um, goals. And those goals have guided us ever since. Uh, I've been at TransLink. We've now had to adjust those because of uh, the, the pandemic. But even then, there's still um, huge consistency uh, with those goals. So we are we remain very much uh, mission directed around customer first, around maintaining our assets in the state of good repair and delivering to the taxpayers on um, on the improvements um, uh, that our mayors, our policymakers um, uh, put in place. And by focusing on those three elements, it, you know, generally you're focusing on all the right things and all the other complexities that a big bureaucracy like TransLink has to be uh, uh, thinking about. So those goals bind together a large sprawling um, bureaucracy that, that can tend towards um, balkanization. This is a way to, to unify uh, the mission across a sprawling um, bureaucracy. Um, now that said, you know, we have a lot of work to do. Moving a big bureaucracy is hard. Um, Coast Mountain Bus Company is an entity that's in effect been around for over 100 years in different iterations. Um, uh, the SkyTrain organization, BCRTC, has been around for 35 years. Each of them developed kind of different cultures uh, along the way. So there's challenges um, along the way. So it's, it's, a, it's always a work in progress. Uh, you never have mission accomplished because there's always something else to do. Uh, to drive uh, drive success and um, and accomplishment in an organization, but I I truly believe that that folks throughout the, throughout the enterprise um, share share the main um, uh, mission objectives and 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 people want to get to that uh, to that outcome. How we get there, how long it takes, that always remains a bit of a question. And what one piece of advice would you give other executives on the importance of managing change? Well, you know, I, I, kind of, I think I touched on uh, some of those things in the in the earlier remarks, and you know, I don't want to be presumptuous to um, great managers and great leaders out there that may be listening to um, uh, to this this podcast. But you know, from where I sit, that clarity of mission. Um, how do you? And I'm thinking, by the way, in the context of large, complex public sector bureaucracies, but I, I think this sort of this this certainly can translate to small businesses and private sector uh, corporations that are profit driven. But, you know, that clarity of mission uh, and that clarity of mission needs to resonate uh, with your workforce, whether it's frontline unionized workers or uh, professional and technical uh, folks in your administrative um, offices. Um, embrace interdependence. Um, uh, it's a word I, I think about and use a lot. Nobody can do anything by themselves largely, right? I can't as the CEO. A planner uh, can't. A project manager in our capital uh, division uh, can't. And in, in some respects, even the bus operator, even though the bus operator works alone um, b behind the wheel of his or her bus, that bus operator requires a bus that's functioning, that's been maintained in the shop, uh, and that the mechanics need people to make sure you have inventory, et cetera, et cetera. So, you need to embrace interdependence. You need to understand that you're reliant um, on others. So you have to have that culture of, of, of interdependence and shared, uh, shared responsibilities. Uh, and that requires teamwork. Now, the, the opposite side of that coin, too much teamwork and too much consensus can grind you down to almost this sort of analysis of um, paralysis of too many voices. So even as you're embracing teamwork and interdependence, it's, it should be, in my view, 
with a philosophy of just do it. So, hey, let's get together. Let's think something through. Let's not overthink it. We have the idea. Um, we've pitched it to our, our bosses. It looks plausible. We've thought it through well. Let's just do it. Let's keep it uh, going. So I use that phrase um, all the time uh, within the organization. You know, show me you've got a good idea and then run with it. Let's try it. Let's try to make it happen. So that that's one of the antidotes to slow um, bureaucracies, slow calcified bureaucracies that often tend to just rely on inertia. I, I don't believe in inertia. I believe in that let's get stuff done um, uh, attitude. Um, and related to that is seek out and facilitate um, good ideas. Um, there are so many smart and talented people in, in your organizations, just as there are uh, in TransLink. You know, um, let them run with stuff. Give them permission. Empower them to run with stuff. And let their bosses, let the senior leadership help shape their smart ideas. I was in a meeting the other day uh, with some folks, and they were they were pitching uh, some some things to me. And uh, after talking it through, I said, guys, great job. I, I like what you've done. I think this can work. Now, you guys, here's my my uh, my suggestion on how you can articulate and sell what it is you're trying to do, then it's my job to help make your idea blossom. And I honestly think people, when they hear that from the boss, like, whoa, cool, right? Because, you know, I'm embracing their idea now and I'm going to help their idea succeed. So, you know, that empowerment with that shaping from the executive team can lead to really, really good outcomes in organizations. And I've seen that uh, time and time again. And of course, all you're doing there is you're, you're just further strengthening your bench and strengthening the, the organization because um, I don't do it. As I said earlier, I, this organization isn't Kevin Desmond making things happen. This organization is hundreds and hundreds of really, really good people making things happening and, and me facilitating their good ideas. And I, I really look upon myself as, as that's my job is facilitating good ideas. Uh, every once in a while, I think I have a good idea. I know every once in a while I have a pretty dumb idea, uh, but uh, it's my job to make sure the good ideas move forward. And almost all of them come from outside of my office. Very inspiring and well said. Thank you, Kevin, for sharing your insights. Uh, it's my pleasure. And I, um, I wish you luck with, with the podcast. And um, I hope uh, your listeners get something out of this. Well, that's all for today's episode of How I Lead Change. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Now go out there and be successful at change.